Baruch Cohen, who is an attorney out in uh, California and has been a um, a follower and fan of JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network for longer than either of us uh, would ever care to admit. <laughs> uh, recently, he had the opportunity to address the boys' division of Valley Torah High School on the topic of killer litigation strategies for lawsuits, business, and life, which in parentheses he writes, avoiding Chilul Hashem's. Uh, he sent us an outline of the speech, um, and frankly, he and he has put together his own list of rules that if one follows, they are more than likely capable of avoiding a chilul Hashem in the workplace. And it's a lot of rules, it's a lot of things to keep in mind, but during his presentation out there, uh, the students were uh, were just, you know, gripped by the entire thing with lots of questions and reaction. And I, I think he's doing an amazing job in spreading this word as we cringe every time someone who's noticeably from our community does something that embarrasses our community and, God forbid, puts our community in jeopardy. And um, we've asked Baruch C. Cohen from his law office in Los Angeles, California, to join us on this Thursday morning broadcast here at JMAM. Baruch Cohen, welcome back to JM. Uh, welcome to JMM. I don't know if you've been a guest of ours before, but welcome to JMM. Good morning, Nachum. I was a guest of Yigal, your brother, years ago, and I'm one of the founding fathers of JM in the AM followers <laughs> in the West Coast. I totally agree with that, and for that we are eternally grateful. Um, all right, you're a lawyer. You spend time in court. You spend a lot of time with clients. When did the issue of Chil Hashem and one's uh, and, and the way one behaves in an atmosphere like yours uh, uh, start to uh, uh, to become prominent in what you do and what you and, and and what you speak about. Well, it really starts from the inception of my uh, legal practice as a civil litigator. I try cases before judges and juries, and in many ways, we as litigators we see things, we observe things that perhaps Rabbanim don't observe. We see the impact of the Chalashem on the non-Jewish community or on the non-religious community. And we see the way our clients, they might be Orthodox Jews, we see the way they come into court stridently or with a certain sense of, um, you know, entitlement. And it gets lost on the court. And every single time there's a tragedy, perhaps a legal tragedy or a scandal, and there's this expectation that the Orthodox Jew should be given special, uh, you know, dispensation because he's an Orthodox Jew, and it doesn't happen that way, people get crushed. And, you know, every single time there is this type of crisis, of course, I get these letters and these snide emails and these snide phone calls from those that already are predisposed against us. And they use this as fuel, and they go, oh, you see, this is what your Jewish faith is all about. And it's, it's quite humiliating. So being a civil litigator and a trial attorney puts you in a certain forum where you can observe things that are not necessarily apparent to the outside world. Baruch C. Cohen with us from Los Angeles. Um, and, and this is happening on a regular basis. Like People wouldn't believe that you see and, and feel this type of situation almost every day. Well, the Chil Lashems, some of them are outright. You can see a headline on the L.A. Times, the headline in the New York Times, the Daily News or the Post. But there's also the subtle um, insults. Um, you know, for example, when, when, when colleagues, lawyers will say to me, why are Orthodox Jews so rude? Wow. You know, that's not something that you see on a headline. Right. 
But that comes from, you know, anyone who's driven in Flatbush, Erev Shabbos, Erev Yontif, sees double parking, triple parking. Or you see, you know, yeshiva guys in a restaurant and they leave the place in a total shambles and a mess. Or they see we're not opening up doors for people with double strollers. Or we're being nosy and we're prying and we're being invasive. There's a certain degree of public Hashem and there's also private. The public comes into the sphere of the, in the courts where you see a disproportionate amount of orthodox welfare fraud, construction fraud, slumlord situations. You know, so the Chilashems can, you know, they cringe you when you see headlines, and that's part of my PowerPoint presentation. When I show headline after headline, you know, your average from person sees the news, they turn the page when they see the Chilashem, because it just bothers us. But... You know, to the outside world, we're all Jewish. And what happens to, uh, you know, one sect of the Jewish community, they pigeonhole us all as the same. And they're predisposed, you know, they don't like us already. And we don't need to give them any more fuel to dislike any further. So the notion of being aware of the problems that we are facing, how we're we're not necessarily rising to the highest levels, I thought it would be appropriate to put together this outline, which seems to be a hit, of observations of where we're going wrong, how we can elevate our game and up our game and man up. You said that the, um, or you indicated that when you when you speak to to young people, they they're they're fascinated by the presentation. Why is that? Well, you know, the feedback that I'm getting is. You know, and I mean no disrespect to Rabbanim. I'm the hugest fan of Rabbanim. I go to Shiram, I learn. But, oh, there he is. It's another beard moving his lips. And it's not necessarily inspiring to kids. But when they hear solid hashkafa and direction coming from a lawyer wearing a yarmulke, this, this creates a culture conf in their minds. And it creates a, an interesting, you know, perspective. This is stark Torah lessons coming from a source that I didn't necessarily anticipate it should be coming from. And it has a very jarring effect on a lot of kids. Wow. Uh, The uh, Baruch C. Cohen 15 Rules to the American Orthodox Jew. Listen carefully, everybody. i got to go through them relatively quickly. Can't spend time on each one at the moment. One, keep your word. Do what you do. What you what do what you say you're going to do. Number two, document everything. Confirm everything in writing. Three, follow the rules and be a law-abiding citizen. Know the laws and serve on a jury. Don't avoid it. Four, don't think you're smarter than the law and won't get caught. You will. <laughs> Five, myth of shortcuts. Work hard. There's no express elevator to the penthouse suite. That's Six, the number one rule, in my opinion. Number five, there's no express elevator to the penthouse suite. Work hard. Don't look for shortcuts. Because if you look for shortcuts, you're going to end up taking a shortcut to a place you don't want to go to. Correct. Six, you're not right because you're orthodox. You're right because you're honest. Seven, establish credibility. Admit when you're wrong. Eight, listen. To, I'm sorry? Man up. Right. Eight, listen to your internal compass. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Nine, consult before taking action, not after. Ten, believe in yourself. Act with courage and confidence, but never with arrogance. Eleven, stop being nosy, quote unquote, but I'm just asking. What do you mean by that one? Give me an example of that. Someone will come over to me and say, uh, Baruch, how much did you pay for your house in Hancock Park in Los Angeles? Why would someone ask you that? Because there's a sense of, well, I should be able to know because uh, this is the way, because I'm just asking. And why does that fall under the Chalashem category? Because it falls under the nosiness 
that we are it's how we are ah, being and, then, and then people from other communities or our own secular communities would then would then perceive us as being inappropriate as being nosy. correct in, right. in the secular world it would be totally unacceptable to right. go over to somebody and ask them how much did you pay for your house right good point good point um number 12 give unconditionally with no exception of any expectation of anything in return 13 insert based in arbitration clauses in your contracts and believe in our torah 14, stand up for Judaism and Eretz Yisrael, never apologize about both, or or I guess you mean never apologize about either. Correct. And 15, pause before pushing send on any email or text. It could save your life. And I think everybody's got an example of that one, <laughs> frankly. Have you ever pushed reply all instead of reply oh, on please. an email? And do you know how many businesses have been destroyed, partnerships wrecked, marriages right. destroyed, litigation, funding, lawyers for eternity? Because the person didn't think before sending that email or text? You know, I was in a public place last night with thousands of people, frankly. And someone asked me, someone said something to me. And and I reacted the way I think any normal person would react, with, with annoyance. It was something that any person, if they would have heard this comment, would have been annoyed. And, would have, and you would have, would have seen the expression of annoyance like I had on my face. But if I was more, if I was more in tune with the way people think of us and how I represent, which I always say that we have to be careful, we always represent the Jewish people, state of Israel, etc. Then even if I am right to be annoyed, I nonetheless would have been, you know, more. What's the word? More um, reserved. Not just reserved, but I would have been more contrite. And more, you know, I would, I would, I would have, you know, I, I would have apologized, even though it probably was, it wasn't necessary. No human being would think there was a need for me to do that, but it would be the only effective way to do it to have those people leave with a good impression of someone wearing yarmulke. You know, we are under a community microscope. When right. we wear a yarmulke, we have an extra measure of responsibility where we have to be on guard, more careful, more courteous, more prudent, and that when we mess up or when we screw up, it gets magnified. So we have to be on our best behavior. That's exactly why we're an Am Hanivchar, chosen people. We have to set an example. Baruch, not to take this to a level that you may not want to take it to, but would you say that sometimes when people do behave like this in the business world and try for shortcuts and do things on the backs of other people, um, it, it could be a lack of faith in the one above? Because it is only the faith in the one above where we truly believe that he gives us the parnasa that we're expecting to get if we put in the work. And, it, 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 and and if we're real believers, if, we're, if we are real, really faithful to him above, we would never behave in that uh, type of manner when trying to achieve our goals. It goes without saying. Shouldn't, uh, shouldn't, um, it, wouldn't it be wonderful if people could say that a business venture was absolutely proper because Orthodox Jews were running it? Remember, oh. there, in our history, in our recent history, there are a lot of stories of, you know, he on 47th Street in the world of real estate, they shook my hand and I knew it was fine and that the deal was 100% because the, this person would never go back on their word. Correct. And when, when a rabbi was speaking at Lincoln Square Synagogue not too long ago and asked this rhetoric question like, wouldn't it be wonderful if the surest way to attest to the trustworthiness of a business was to say that it was operated by an Orthodox Jew? And the audience uh, broke out in spontaneous laughter. And that was sort of like a... Uh, you know, uh, um, like a lie detector reaction. It was a very true reaction because, unfortunately, the reaction is that that is not the case. And why should people laugh when the suggestion is made that the most trustworthy and honest people are Orthodox Jews? Why shouldn't this be true? After all, we, we, we follow a Torah. We claim to live our lives in consonance with the will of God. 
and we believe that we'll be answerable to him in the world to come, how could we be anything but scrupulously honest and trustworthy? Wow. What's the takeaway from all this? Are you going to be speaking in a bunch of places around the country on this topic? Well, right now I'm going to be speaking at EULA, Yeshiva University of Los Angeles, at their Ethical Leadership Seminar. Um, and I've received inquiries from other uh, locations, but uh, haven't worked out the details yet. The most uh, promising thing about this conversation, frankly, is that it, is the reaction you said you've gotten from teenagers. The reaction you've gotten that they, they aren't laughing, they're taking this seriously, and they and they're interested in putting an end to all this. And I would hope that that people like yourself with this message would go to other segments of our community and speak to the young people. They may also, even though they may have grown up in an atmosphere like we've been describing, unfortunately, they may also have an interest in putting this to an end. Well, I think, yeah, and I want you to know, uh, when I recently spoke at Valley Torah, you know, the hands were up. The kids didn't want to leave seriously because it was a, it was a gripping PowerPoint presentation, very dramatic. But one kid asked me a question that really, it got to me. He said, well, why, why shouldn't, the, other than the Olam Haba, the world to come theory, if the guys who are the shysters and they're getting away with it and they stole $38 million and they're living a magnificent life, why shouldn't I be attracted to that option? And I looked at this kid and I said, you know what, what an, what an honest, truthful question that is. I have a colleague who cheated on his LSATs, um, got into great law school. He told me recently that he feels that his entire career is predicated on fraud, and he feels that he never really, really earned it. He also told me, because he, his, his professional life continued along that road, he said that every single time a NYPD car drives by and he hears a siren, he thinks it's for him. Mm. He lives a life in constant per perpetual spilkes, thinking that he's going to get caught at every knock on the door, every phone call sends him into, you know, a downward spiral. That's not a way to live. Baruch C. Cohen, uh, if people want to be in touch with you, are you willing to give out an email address or any other type of contact? Sure, you could contact me, you could connect with me on Facebook, uh, Baruch Cohen, or you could email at bcc4929 at gmail.com. I appreciate you sharing all this with us this morning. Thank you so much. Good talking to you. I pray that it'll make a big difference, and I have a feeling it will. Uh, Baruch C. Cohen from Los Angeles. Topic, Chil Hashem. Something to think about, everybody. Uh, all of us, me, everybody. Something to think about how, uh, how we are perceived and how every single little thing we do can make such an impact, both positive and, God forbid, negative. Thursday morning broadcast, 14 minutes before the hour. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.